Welcome to the 24th edition of the Panama interview series, where we discuss topics regarding foreign direct investment in Latin America and the Caribbean. Uh, we are streaming live from the capital city of the Republic of Panama this morning. The Panama interview series is produced by Vico Legal and Compliance Consulting LLC, a Miami Domasab limited liability corporation with offices in downtown Miami and Panama City, Panama. My name is Anthony Robinson and I am managing member of Vico Legal and Compliance Consulting. Although I am a practicing attorney with a passion for cross-border commercial and transactional legal and regulatory compliance matters in the Americas, as well as a passion for the languages of the Americas. Uh, I have long had an interest in the nexus between law and public policy. Uh, I earned a Bachelor of Science degree in policy analysis from Cornell University in 1990, and a Master's degree in public policy from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government in 1994. Accordingly, the seeds of the Panama interview series have been germinating in my mind for some time, close to 30 years now. And uh, I have journeyed to this opportunity to discuss on a monthly basis, topics regarding foreign direct investment in Latin America and the Caribbean with players in the arenas of law, business and politics. Uh, this morning, we are honored to have as our guest, Dr. Sandra Carrillo, who has a distinguished background uh, to say the least. Uh, she is professor of faculty of medicine at the University of Panama, in charge of the scientific program of medical cannabis. Uh, she is president of the Colombian Association of Medical Cannabis, with, uh, which is a nonprofit association dedicated to promoting education-based uh, scientific evidence. Uh, she's a board member of the Association of Cannabis Specialists. Uh, she's a member of the scientific board of Portugal Medical Cannabis, a member of the scientific board of uh, the Colombian Observatory of Medical Cannabis, co-founder of Medican IPS, uh, which are medical cannabis clinics in Colombia. Uh, she's a review board member of the American Journal of Endocannabinoid Medicine. Uh, Dr. Carrillo is committed to educating and training doctors and healthcare providers regarding the benefits of medical cannabis, the possibilities and promise of the endocannabinoid medicine uh, system, the existing scientific evidence supporting medical cannabis and the need uh, for more competent and reliable scientific studies and the disparities in access to endocannabinoid treatments. This morning, we will discuss developments in the regulation of cannabis in the Americas. We have several topics to cover in the time that we have allotted this morning. Please put your questions in the chat and I will submit them to our guests afterwards, our guest afterwards. Uh, let's jump in. Dr. Carrillo, how are you doing this morning? Good. Thank you, Tony. Very happy to be here today, this morning. Good morning, everybody that is listening and watching us. Thank you so much for taking the time. We're honored to have you as a guest. Um, I just want to jump in because we don't have much of your time. I'd like to start if you could tell me, please, you know, what called you to the specialty of endocannabinoid medicine and the use of medical cannabis? 
Uh, that's a beautiful question because uh, my journey started uh, almost um, nine years ago. Well, I think it's going to be 10 years ago. I started seeing uh, um, children with epilepsy and that the mothers were going to other countries to get uh, CBD and cannabinoid therapies to treat their children. And, and when I saw that, I was curious, you know, as a doctor, we always need the scientific evidence to feel confident in order to prescribe to our patients. But I was seeing more and more patients, the children and the mothers traveling all over to get a cannabinoid. And I saw how the patients improved, how the seizures were reducing. So I decided to start the, the quest and, and, and find the and find the places where they have uh, the best information and research regarding to the endocannabinoid system and the cannabinoid therapy. So I went to Canada. I, I studied in Canada. Uh, I went to Israel and in Israel I studied and also in the United States. And then I, uh, and my eyes were, were open when I learned about the endocannabinoid system. Everything was just like uh, all the pieces were put together. So I understood why uh, this curiosity about epilepsy drove me to, to uh, learning how cannabinoid therapies were good for chronic pain, for uh, anxiety, for uh, patients with spasticity, multiple sclerosis, nausea and vomiting induced by chemotherapy. And, and this was the way I started this beautiful journey uh, many years ago. And, uh, and then after that, uh, I realized that I had to uh, share everything I learned because we need more doctors learning about the endocannabinoid system since we never were uh, taught in a school of medicine. So uh, I started because of epilepsy patients. And, and since, then, since then, I've been uh, learning every day something new about these beautiful uh, things that the uh, cannabis plant can do for the patients and why responsible prescription is so important to grant safe, safe access to our patients. And why are we blessed here in Panama to, to have you as a member of the, uh, the University of Panama Professor of Faculty of Medicine here? Yeah, uh, we, I started um, in 2019 uh, with the, the Dean of the University of Faculty of Medicine. Uh, uh, he was a visionary, uh, an academic, a scientist, and, and he saw the potential of cannabinoid therapies uh, and the importance of, of teaching in all the levels, uh, um, graduated doctors. We even gave, uh, uh, um, back then, it was just the pandemic starting. We were just lecturing for students of medicine, teaching them more about the endocannabinoid system. So it is, it is very, very uh, interesting. Also in Colombia, I live between uh, Panama and Colombia. And uh, in Colombia, I uh, made alliances with uh, one of the largest universities in Colombia, and we put together a diploma certification. And we've been certifying doctors since 2019 too. So I have seen universities more uh, prone to discuss with uh, uh, postgraduates about the therapeutic applications of cannabinoids and. Uh, even uh, last year, the Colombian College of Physicians contacted me asking me to create an educational program. So when I saw this, I say, you know, uh, 
Uh, we know we're, we're going through the right path uh, because the scientific and the medical community is asking for education. And, and, and the key point in here is that we do education based on scientific evidence, and this is the language. You need to talk to doctors that they are skeptic or that they have stigma in the scientific community. So it has been uh, teaching uh, uh, one of my main missions. I have the, the fortune to be invited as, as a professor of different diploma certifications in different countries in Latin America, such as Mexico, Brazil, Ecuador, Colombia. So we're trying to educate all Latin American uh, doctors regarding to the endocannabinoid system and, and therapeutic applications of cannabinoid medicines. I think uh, uh, there's still a lot of work to do, but uh, we have uh, uh, an important force now of, of doctors that they are more aware and uh, they really want to learn more about this subject. That's wonderful. And, you know, this is a very interesting time to have our conversation because the regulatory landscape across the Americas, really from Canada to Uruguay, is, is, is changing uh, with respect to medical cannabis and and cannabis-derived products, uh, you know, CBD. Uh, and in that regard, uh, there is a conference that is going to happen in May of next year, uh, in 2024, called Latin Cannabis, uh, really the first of its kind. Um, it's going to be, well, I'm going to let you speak about it. What is Latin Cannabis and uh, what's its mission and what will be your role in the conference? It's going to take place here in Panama. Yes, uh, very excited because, um, as I mentioned, education is the key to destigmatize the use of cannabinoid therapies. The Latin Cannabis is a conference, a very unique conference, as, and is, is one of the only conferences that, that we have in, in Panama. Uh, we had it uh, um, a few years ago, uh, and uh, it was last year. We had a lot of participation from government officials, from the scientific community, from international speakers. And basically, the conference wants to do education, uh, talk about regulation, and through the conference also help the country to move forward with the, with the, all what is about the landscape of, of medical cannabis in a country. So I am very excited and I invite everybody to come next year to Panama and not just to enjoy this beautiful country and just uh, also to learn about uh, all the new topics uh, the LATAM Cambis uh, 2024 uh, will bring uh, to all, all the people in the industry uh, that they want to learn about uh, this subject. And what will you be presenting or what will be your topic? Well, I, uh, I'll be talking about numerous things. I, I will be talking about the endocannabinoid system, about the scientific evidence, uh, side effects and safety, and uh, uh, also about the, the regulations because Panama has a very particular and robust uh, law that it was approved two years ago and we're waiting for regulation of the law. But I think uh, it's going to be one of the, uh, the best laws in Latin America because it's very robust and it's very well, was very well done. I had the opportunity to participate uh, um, in all the, uh, um, 
all the time when it was uh, at the National Assembly, at the Congress. I was invited to speak in front of the full House of Congress before uh, medical cannabis was legal. We were like doing uh, advocacy for almost five years before legalization. And we finally, uh, uh, the government finally uh, um, approved medical cannabis two years ago. So it was it was uh, beautiful all the journey. Um, but uh, finally, Panama has a very robust law that we're waiting for being implemented. Uh, so it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a very good law for Panama and for the patients mainly. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we mentioned that the landscape within the Americas with respect to the regulation of medical cannabis is changing. Um, and uh, in the U.S. last week, uh, the Federal Department of Health and Human Services recommended officially that uh, cannabis uh, marijuana be removed from Schedule 1 and reclassified under the U.S. federal law uh, as Schedule 3. In other words, cannabis would be removed from category, the category reserved for the riskiest drugs such as heroin, LSD, and moved to the one, uh, the classification for prescription drugs. Uh, the decision to reclassify cannabis ultimately resides with the DEA, the, the Drug Enforcement Administration, uh, and the process could take months. Uh, you know, in the United States, on, a, on the state level, 36 states and four territories and the District of Columbia have legalized medical marijuana or the use of medical uh, cannabis. Um, how is this development affecting uh, your work and the development of uh, laws and regulations throughout the Americas, particularly in Latin America? Well, I definitely think that everything that happens in the United States affects us in uh, Latin America, definitely with more uh, relaxed or, or less uh, uh, stringent regulations. Uh, or the reclassification, uh, uh, probably we will have better opportunities for doing more research, for doing more education, and definitely, definitely, and the most important thing, better access for the patients. So I think is is very important because we'll allow uh, uh, the patients to have uh, uh, access uh, to. Um, treatments and to be able to uh, do consultations with the doctors and being uh, followed up by the doctor and having also um, uh, in the countries more research that is something that uh, even though that they're all over the world is research uh, published uh, every day, uh, it's important that we are able to, to conduct uh, more research. Right. One thing I learned in, in studying you for this uh, this talk was that, you know, uh, cannabis has been a part of uh, the practice of medicine for a very, very long time. And the prohibition is a relatively new thing with respect to cannabis. Am I right that it was in the, in the 1930s that it was uh, that the prohibition took place in the United States? Um, so the question is, you know, is is reclassification enough when we have a cultural uh, construct that has been shaped by prohibition, meaning we have a stigma to cannabis use that is not associated with the long history of it, just the very short recent history. Um, but without declassification, that stigma continues. Is, is, do we need declassification really to fully embrace the potential of medical cannabis? 
Well, definitely, if we're go if we're talking about medical cannabis, uh, um, uh, more barriers that you have for prescription and for research uh, uh, are not are not the ideal thing. The ideal thing is that the, the, we will be able to have uh, um, um, not not all these restrictions. Uh, uh, definitely, I understand there is some uh, substances that they have to be controlled, but definitely uh, the cannabinoid therapies, uh, they have so much potential. And I think that uh, if there is a lot of regulations that is not allowing us to 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 uh, achieve the, the full potential of, of what we can achieve in research and uh, also in education and access. So I definitely think in the ideal world, it will be less, uh, uh, less uh, uh, strict, the, the classifications and, and more relaxed, the safe access. But in terms of medical cannabis, I always say the safe access is granted through prescription and monitorization of, uh, of the doctor. So uh, medical cannabis, as the name says, medical, it has to be prescribed and monitorized by a doctor in order uh, to be a, pay, a, a treatment where the patient will be benefit. I know that you are a, uh, an advocate for the uh, development of more um, scientific evidence to prove up the uh, efficacy and safety of medical cannabis. How will the reclassification um, facilitate that? Oh, definitely will facilitate this a, a, a lot because we will be able to uh, um, submit more research, randomized placebo-controlled trials, and uh, more doctors and scientists will be encouraged to do this because now since it's a... Uh, uh, since the classification that we have, actually, uh, a lot of doctors don't even want to work with the with the plant because it's so much control, it's so much regulation, and it's very hard to pass the bioethical committees before you start with the with the with the protocol for for the study. So definitely uh, will impact uh, the research, and we will have more and more research, more and more scientists uh, uh, that there will be. Uh, encouraged to start doing research since the regulations are, uh, are more relaxed. Very good. We hope that process doesn't take uh, too long. Uh, the next thing I would like to talk to you about is the status, the legal status of cannabis in Latin America and the Caribbean. Uh, so much is in flux and there's been so much development within the last, I'd say, three to five years. I'd like to, you know, as you are an expert, uh, please uh, you know, inform us, what are the countries within Latin America and the Caribbean where medical cannabis is legal? This chart is a is is a jumping board to that conversation. It's not meant to be, you know, a benchmark of any of any sort. But what are the countries where medical cannabis is legal? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, as uh, we were talking before uh, in the map says uh, the Panama uh, right now, they, they say in the map there that is uh, illegal. But right now, medical cannabis is legal in Panama and in Costa Rica. Uh, basically, the only countries in Latin America that medical cannabis, we're talking about medical cannabis, is not legal, is Bolivia and Venezuela. And uh, in Central America, the only countries that have medical cannabis legal are is uh, Panama, Costa Rica, and Mexico. The other Guatemala, Salvador, Honduras, not legal yet. 
but the rest of the country, Latin America, Colombia, Peru, Ecuador, Brazil, Chile, Paraguay, Uruguay, Argentina, all those countries, medical cannabis is legal. Uh, so uh, I see, and I'm very excited. I just came back uh, two days ago from California. I was uh, speaking at UCLA, and I, we were talking about the regulations in Latin America. And I feel very pleased to see how Latin America is leading a lot of, of uh, uh, initiatives in education and in access uh, for the patients, because uh, in Latin America, uh, most of the Latin American countries, uh, doctors, uh, we can prescribe medical cannabis. As, as you may know, in the United States, doctors cannot prescribe uh, medical cannabis because of the regulations they can recommend. Uh, but in Latin America, we, uh, we can prescribe, we can issue a prescription, and, uh, and we have regulated products that they are regulated by the government, by the Ministry of Health. So, for example, in Colombia, uh, I have a clinic, so we see the patients, we issue the prescription, and there is pharmacies that they have uh, the approval of the Ministry of Health and the, the medication, in this case, pharmaceutical, uh, compound pharmaceutical or magistrate preparations, they are uh, dispensed for the patients. So we have the whole system working uh, uh, very, very well. And, and I know this is a fact also in other countries in Latin America. So we are, we're having a big advantage in, La in the Latin American countries in prescription and in dispensation through pharmacies. Uh, which uh, makes uh, uh, for the doctors and for the patients a, a good way to have safe access and we can follow up our patients. There is some countries they have registries for, for uh, patients that are users of medical cannabis and registries for the doctors. And as I mentioned before, that is extremely important, regulated products. So when we are prescribing to our patients, we know that the, the products are being uh, monitored by the Ministry of Health of the different countries. So that's when I when I talk about safe access and and the the uh, let's say uh, preparations with uh, um, uh, more than one or two percent uh, of THC. They are controlled substances, uh, but they are a product that we can uh, be uh, safe knowing that they are have good quality because they are uh, monitored by the minister ministry of health so uh, yeah i am very pleased with latin american regulation a lot of countries in latin america do, are doing the, the the right things and we are moving forward uh, in in regulations too and education i see efforts as i mentioned i had the opportunity to be invited as professor of different diploma certifications uh, in alliance with different universities uh, of Latin America. So I see universities uh, also um, moving forward with education for doctors because they realize uh, the medical cannabis is, a, is an alternative that as doctors we have to have in our toolbox. So, and if for those doctors that don't care about prescribing, they still need to learn about the endocannabinoid system because uh, they're going to receive patients in their practice that they may be already taking medical cannabis because another colleague prescribed it. So we have to uh, know about the drug-drug interactions, side effects. So it's part 
of what a doctor uh, need to do uh, and is to be updated and, and, and learning about the endocannabinoid system is something extremely important. I, you know, I've, I've learned that, uh, you know, that, uh, that the focus of yours is, uh, you know, uh, connecting all these different um, initiatives within Latin America to promote the use of medical cannabis. Is there any structure within the region that does that uh, outside of your efforts to bring some sort of collaboration among all the countries and their policies and regu regulations? Well, we have, as I mentioned, and I am very pleased because I, I started in 2018 the Colombian Medical Cannabis Association. I am a co-founder and I have seen how uh, other countries like Peru, uh, they created the, their uh, Peruvian uh, Medical Cannabis Association and, and other countries in Latin America. So we are doctors, we are gathering in scientific associations. We have the uh, right now the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. Uh, we're having the relaunch of the Latin American chapter. Uh, also, um, we have Can America. Can America is a, a, a group of professionals from all Latin America that we create conferences almost every year. Um, and we gather all the scientists, doctors, and professionals in Latin America to, to present the research work, the, the clinical cases. So yes, in Latin America, we're, we're moving forward uh, uh, with, uh, with education and gathering professionals and sharing experiences in the clinical practice and uh, creating uh, um, a research too. Uh, so we will have our own data uh, from Latin America. Uh, so I am very excited about this because I see the scientific community in Brazil, in Argentina, and in, in, in almost every country that uh, medical cannabis is legal, uh, producing a lot of research. You were a, uh, you know, an integral part of uh, the uh, law we have in Panama for medical cannabis and bringing that to fruition. What was the, the biggest obstacle to, that, that you had to break down to uh, have success there? Well, um, I think education is, is the main thing because uh, we did with the university uh, in Panama in 2019, uh, as soon as the government changed uh, with the Presidente Nito Cortizo, Laurentino Cortizo, uh, with the Dean of the Faculty of Medicine back then, Dr. Mendoza, we put together a, a, a conference and we invited uh, the Minister of Health, uh, the Director of uh, Farmacia y Droga, that is like the FDA in the United States, uh, directors of different hospitals in Panama and senators. And so, because the idea was educating the regulators because uh, when the regulators know what we're talking about, it's easier for them to, to, to understand how to regulate. Uh, and definitely, I think that was something key and it was very important because when the new government uh, started, we put together this educational event, uh, academic event, uh, and uh, and that was like a, like a, like a good start. So uh, the good thing is in the National Assembly, in the Congress, and the senators that they were proposing the law, even though that we that it was like five years back and forward, uh, 
they 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 knew and they educate themselves when they were presenting the law. So finally, I think uh, all the things were aligned, and uh, but it was a lot of effort, a lot of a stigma. I think that one of the main obstacles were the stigma, but I think we beat the stigma with education. Media was very important in Panama because uh, media was very supportive because we were talking about medical cannabis and we were talking about uh, prescription, uh, uh, doctor's involvement 100% of the time in the prescription. So the, the general population understood that this was going to be something prescribed by a doctor, controlled and monitorized. And I think uh, everything... Um, was was working better when when the education was out there so uh, i am very excited i even was invited by president laurentino cortizo uh, for the signing of the reglamentation of the law uh, uh, the, the last year so uh, very exciting times for panama we are waiting for the implementation of the reglamentation like everything takes time because there's a lot of patients waiting uh, and now in Panama to be able to have access, but I am, I am very optimistic. I know the government is working on high speed to be able to implement it uh, as soon as possible. How will those regulations uh, address cannabis-derived products or CBD, for example, CBD in uh, cosmetics or CBD in traditional foods? Uh, it, it, there's a whole multi-million dollar market waiting to open uh, and people are, are seeing the possibilities now that medical cannabis has been legalized. They're looking toward those other products. How will the regulations address that? Well, actually, as I, as I was mentioning uh, earlier, I am very excited because I see the, the law in Panama very robust, very complete. Uh, for example, in Colombia, uh, doctors uh, can prescribe only oral presentations or sublingual presentations or topicals. But in the Panamanian law, uh, the doctor will be allowed to prescribe not just oral presentations or sublingual, also the flower that is so important as a, as a rescue method. Uh, and uh, it, uh, the flower is allowed uh, uh, to be prescribed by a doctor for, for particular uh, situations. So I see and in Panama is going to be like a registry for patients uh, that will be uh, using medical cannabis. So they were going to have like their own uh, uh, ID as users uh, of medical cannabis. And, and another uh, important or, or highlight that I see in Panama too is that uh, in the reglamentation, every doctor that wants to prescribe medical cannabis needs to have a certification that is uh, um, approved by the Ministry of Health. I haven't seen this in other countries in Latin America. And, and this is good because this will enforce doctors to get certified. And this will be good for the patient because when the doctor is certified, he, he feels more keen or more uh, confident in the moment of prescribing. So, so this is a, a, a something uh, that stands out uh, uh, in the regulation of Panama. 
uh, also uh, is going to be uh, like a vertically integrated uh, system of license that uh, the, the license producer or the person who obtains the license will have to do all the all the chain from the cultivation to import export it will develop the whole chain of the business so i think and i am very optimistic that this law is going to be very good for for the patients in panama because it's a very robust law and uh and we are just waiting for the implementation but i know regarding to education uh, uh the government is determined that every physician uh, gets certified in order in order to be prescribed prescribing and that the patient will have access to the to the uh, a different variety of products through the prescription so it's going to be very well regulated and monitorized by the doctors you know, as a physician who specializes in in medical cannabis do you support the use of uh, cbd in cosmetics and food well cosmetics i think is is uh, we have evidence for uh, uh, cbd and uh, uh, psoriasis and dermatitis and some type of, of different uh, patho skin pathologies i think uh, uh, there is there is evidence about this uh, in in foods that is like a, a, a very gray area because definitely we don't have evidence <laughs> about about foods and cbd so I, I don't, don't, uh, it's not my expertise in that matter. I, I dedicate more to the, to the medical use and the prescription uh, in the treatment of different ailments. So, so I am optimistic with the, with the Panamanian uh, uh, regulation because favors the patients uh, and, the, and safe access through prescription that is going to be done uh, only by doctors. So I am I'm very uh, optimistic about this. Very good. Please please uh, tell us about the work you're doing uh, as co-founder of Medican IPS uh, and the president of the Colombian Association of uh, Medical Cannabis in Colombia. Uh, yes. Well, Medican is uh, uh, we have clinics. And we um, specialized in the prescription of cannabinoid therapies. Of course, we have all types of patients. We have more than two thousand patients uh, at this point, and uh, we have doctors that they are a part of our network in different cities of Colombia. We have uh, uh, in Medellin, in Bogota, in Cali, Armenia, Barranquilla, Quito, different cities and uh, uh, we have uh, um, different programs we have uh, telemedicine we have uh, um, uh, uh, house uh, visits for the patients that they cannot come to our office and and definitely it's been very uh, um, very beautiful and rewarding to see uh, how the patients when they come to a consultation seeking for an alternative uh, uh, they improve in uh, in a numerous different uh, uh, symptoms, and but one of the more important uh, facts that I see is improvement in quality of life. So clinics are are doing uh, very well because the patients are um, learning more about the benefits of medical cannabis, and we are doing responsible prescription. Uh, we take the time to see our patients and and and. Uh, 
doing the clinical history, seeing if the patients have all other comorbidities. And, and we have the, the prescription uh, sent to the pharmacy and the patient gets uh, the medications through the pharmacy. So it's a system that is working well. And, and recently in Colombia, I'm very happy because I was advocating for this and meeting with government uh, 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 regulators for many years, asking for uh, coverage by the healthcare system. And, and, and last December, finally, they issued the resolution 2808, which uh, says that uh, medical cannabis in uh, compound pharmaceuticals or magistral preparation has to be covered for the healthcare system, in this case, the EPS, that is the, the form of the public healthcare system. So the patients are going to have access to the medications through the coverage by the uh, healthcare system, which is very big news. Uh, and, I, and that was something that I was fighting for for many years. So in Colombia, we're waiting also that uh, the uh, EPS, that is the healthcare system, implements this uh, resolution that the government issued in December last year. So a lot of good things happen in Latin America. And Colombia has really has been on the forefront uh, of this issue. And how did, how did Colombia take such a positive uh, role in the development of the use of medical cannabis in, in the region? Yes, well, uh, we are very excited. We are, as I mentioned, we are doing uh, from the Colombian Medical Cannabis Association. We have, as you mentioned, we are a non-for-profit uh, scientific association. We gather doctors from different specialties. We have psychiatrists, neurologists, uh, surgeons. We have dermatologists because uh, all the medical doctors and different specialties are realizing how important it is to learn about the endocannabinoid system and uh, also uh, now that the healthcare system is going to cover cannabinoid therapies for the patients, uh, if there is a doctor that is not interested in prescribing, it's a responsibility to know uh, about drug-drug uh, interaction, side effects. So eventually, uh, if they are not prescribing, they will receive a patient that is already taking medical cannabis. So it's our responsibility to be educated and actualized or updated in, in the latest treatments. So uh, I, I see uh, the medical community in Colombia and the universities and the government supporting more all our initiatives of education. In the association, we promote education based in scientific evidence and research. Uh, to be able to give safe access to our patients that at the end, as doctors, they are on may, are our main reason to, to, to do what we do. Well, you know, to, to try to bring this conversation to a close, I'd like to, to dream a little bit. I mean, what would it mean for patients suffering from health conditions, chronic health conditions uh, like chronic pain, epilepsy, cancer, you know, multiple sclerosis or HIV, if we lived in a region of the Americas where medical cannabis was legal throughout the region. So, you know, what would that mean for the quality of life of those individuals? Well, definitely uh, something that I see a challenge is that there is patients with chronic illness and uh, 
let's say uh, in our clinics in Colombia, they start taking their treatments and, and they are improved, definitely improving. But sometimes when they have to uh, fly or go to another country, that is a big barrier because they are afraid, they're scared, they don't know if they should bring the medicine or not. Also in the hospital, sometimes when the patients are hospitalized uh, uh, in some uh, hospital uh, environments, they don't let them take the medical cannabis. So we definitely need to move forward with the normalization of this uh, prescription. And when I say normalization, it doesn't mean that uh, anybody can get it anywhere. It's, uh, and, and that's what I uh, um, um, highlight the word a prescription because the patient needs to go call, go to the doctor, get the prescription and uh, have the follow up. That is the right way to do a treatment following up the patient definitely will impact the life of all those patients that they are afraid to leave uh, the country because they cannot stop their medication. And, and, and since the regulation in, the, in different countries are different, uh, that, that's like a big challenge. And, and as you mentioned, I, I, I like to dream. And in the ideal world that the patients will not have these uh, challenges because it's very hard and it's very sad uh, that they, they, they have to decide or not traveling or not flying or, or just uh, definitely uh, uh, it's, a, it's a big risk. Uh, because the regulations are very different and, and there is a lot of, of, uh, of areas that the patient don't understand and even some regulators, they're not aware in different countries. So in an ideal world, it shouldn't be barriers for this because we're talking about a medicine. And as far as the patient has a prescription and an indication, that shouldn't be a problem. So I hope in the future, this can change. Wonderful. Well, it's been an honor to have you with us this morning. We're going to be following you uh, here from Panama, and we're going to try to participate and, and, and watch you at uh, Medican in May of next year. Um, again, thank you so much for, for your time. Everybody that uh, is connected, have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye.